And now please remain standing for a reading of God's Word. Beloved, let's open our Bibles to the book of Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians. Begin a new series. Uh, it, it somewhat naturally follows the Gospels, actually, because uh, we see in the 28th chapter, the last chapter of Matthew, that our Lord Christ, risen and uh, gloriously imbued with all authority in heaven and earth, now gives the charge to his disciples to go out into every, every nation of the world, baptizing and teaching all peoples all that he has commanded them and promising his presence. And those disciples, as they have become uh, uh, the Christ's ambassadors, are called apostles. And what we have here is an apostle, although he is one as uh, a little bit untimely born in his own words. He uses that expression. He's, he's sort of an odd apostle out because he was, uh, he, he was called so late um, and because uh, he knew him in a very, very special manner, uh, the Lord befriending him and showing him his glory, converting him. Uh, but he is writing to churches, not just one church, but churches in the province, Vision Minor, called Galatia. I'll read uh, just the first two verses and uh, maybe have a little bit of more commentary on what is going on here. Here's the word of our God. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. And I'll stop there. Let's pray. Lord, now as you have penned this epistle to churches that were struggling and uh, had drifted, began drifting in a very, very perilous direction. Uh, help us learn to understand the, the tension that we, we have while we are yet in the flesh. The great war between heaven and hell, between Christ and all of his enemies, Satan and, uh, and his followers. We pray that we would be wise in handling this epistle, that we would come to understand it, we would come to love it, we come to see the glory uh, of Christ in, in this letter, and uh, how pleasant it is to learn of grace, a grace that is free, grace that is strong, grace that prevails over all sin. And Lord, we, we pray that as we uh, handle the, the subject here, um, that we would ourselves would be strengthened and that we would be corrected and that we would be righted and that we would be in a position of strength going forward understanding your great covenant of grace and your great gospel in even better terms. And help us, Lord, to uh, hold tenaciously, tenaciously to the, the, the pure gospel, not compromising it in any way, as some have done uh, to their weakness and uh, also to their shame. Lord, bless your word and bless your people, we pray in Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The Apostle Paul here now is writing to the churches in Galatia. He was familiar with these people, having toured that area uh, in a previous missionary journey. Uh, and here he's warning them 
of their departure. I, I don't quite want to say the word apostasy. Yeah, I think what we have here, uh, rightly, if we understand the situation is here, that already the weakness had set in and there was a partial apostasy. And as is the case of any partial apostasy, if it is not corrected, if the weakness is not corrected, it leads to more and more uh, departure from the gospel, corruption of the faith, and um, the end and the, uh, the trend is certainly, certainly awful. And this is why Paul is so very much, uh, he, he is warning and he is amazed at the, quick, the, quick, uh, the quickness of how they had departed from the gospel. But anyway, he's warning them of their departure from the Lord Jesus, not just the gospel, but from the Lord Jesus by mixing the true gospel with, well, anything else actually, but in this case with Jewish ceremonialism. It's not just a matter, it's not just a matter of uh, an article of circumcision. There's a broader issue here, and, and also the fact that ceremonialism really it is, is something that is uh, of the older dispensation in God's economy in the Old Testament with the New Covenant, uh, excuse me, in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, uh, all of these things have changed in Christ. So the proposition is that the author of this letter to the Galatian churches is Paul. That's what we're seeing today in these first two verses. The author has to be noted. It is none other than Paul, and, um, and he is an apostle. And he's called by God, and uh, here there are other witnesses to his being an apostle, and this being Paul, uh, and he's certified as such by a couple of other believers accompanying him. So that's what we need to understand. The author of the letter, that he's an apostle, and his person and his office uh, is witnessed by the other believers. We have today uh, four points. It's not a long sermon, though. And uh, the first point is this, that Paul identifies himself as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is uh, the author of this letter. This is not to be contested. It's clear in its reading. And uh, he introduces himself as an apostle. Now, this is by design. Uh, he's, he's, getting, he's striking a very, very important point here. He's uh, sharpened his pencil, and as he's uh, beginning to express himself here, Every word in these first, especially in the first few sentences, are choice because he more or less, uh, he more or less uh, outlines the direction of all of his teaching coming forth. So he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Lord meaning he has authority. Jesus is that Jehovah saves. Christ is that he is imbued with the christening of the Holy Spirit without measure, um, and he will succeed as prophet, priest, and king in the church. Every word here is very important. Recall then what an apostle is. I mentioned already in Jesus commissioning his disciples, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. They are sent out. They, um, they are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are themselves uh, to replicate that uh, which they had learned from the Lord Jesus, both the uh, the content of 
the stewardship of all the faith, the articles of the Christian religion, and the manner in which Jesus taught. So they, they, they basically had a, a seminary education in the three plus years of Jesus' uh, days uh, in the ministry. And uh, they are to follow suit and they are to make disciples of nations. Not just basically, not, not just bringing them to a point of salvation and baptism, but actually fully disciple them, teaching them all. And that's what an apostle does. He has no other charter. Yeah, he has no other um, office. And uh, uh, well, that is to say no other greater office. That is the greatest office in the Christian church, an apostle. He speaks directly um, with the authority of Christ. He is an ambassador. Uh, and especially as he's penned these words, these words are uh, inerrant and they are infallible. Paul's calling as an apostle, as I mentioned before, was irregular. Uh, he was... Uh, literally knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus, had been a persecutor of the, the church, of the sect that he called the Nazarene church, uh, the Nazarene sect, and as such um, was surprised when the Lord, the Lord Christ revealed himself to him and revealed his spirit in him and uh, learned, of course, that he was very wrong, that he had, uh, in handling the scriptures, in handling the Old Testament, uh, he had mishandled them, misunderstood them, and did not realize that to begin with Moses and with all the prophets, they all spoke of the Lord Jesus and his sufferings and the, the days of glory that were to follow. But Paul's calling then was irregular, but he was nevertheless a true apostle, no less than any of the other apostles, although he himself would regard himself as the least. Uh, but that may be because he persecuted the church and he was very much ashamed of that, but the Lord uses all things to his glory. The definition of an apostle, uh, two words that, that, uh, that, that must be uh, kept in mind. An apostle is one who is called and sent. In fact, uh, the word apostle has in it the connotation of one that is being sent. Uh, and so, uh, but he's uh, first called before he is sent. This has a lot to say today about the way that missions should be brought about. And if you, if you read the, uh, the, natural, uh, the natural epilogue to the Gospels is the book of Acts. And you'll see that the churches are involved in sending out missionaries. Christ himself commissions his, his disciples, his apostles. The churches then uh, commission evangelists and others by the laying on of hands. They are first called by God through an agency, a human agency in the church, and then they are sent out, called and sent. Called by the Lord Jesus Christ to the office, uh, he, uh, an apostle must have had, uh, must have witnessed the risen Savior. So he's, a, he's a, a witness to the glorified, ascended Christ from the dead. Uh, he must, uh, an apostle must have been taught directly by the Lord Jesus. Uh, he was a direct, Christ is his direct teacher, his direct mentor, not just uh, uh, even in the New Testament prophets and in, 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 in the Corinthian churches, for instance, um, you have the Holy Spirit uh, teaching, but that is not the same thing. That is not the same thing. Uh, the office of apostle is quite unique. Called by the Lord Jesus, sent by the Lord Jesus. And that was, uh, we'll find out later in Paul's uh, autobiography here, uh, snippets of Galatia, the, the, this epistle, 
that that is indeed the case. Uh, the Lord gives him directions about what he's to do and where he's to go and not to go. Uh, the Lord is the head of the church. And no office is autonomous, especially not the apostolic office. The, apost the apostolic office then bears Jesus' authority uh, in the church. Uh, very directly, they, they have the keys of the kingdom. And while they do work with fellow believers, Paul cherish the companionship of other believers like Silas, Timothy, and Titus. Uh, nevertheless, uh, an apostle uh, sometimes ends up in the field by himself in his travels, and uh, he has the keys of the kingdom, and shutting up and opening up the kingdom uh, as the Spirit leads him, not as his person leads him. Again, uh, Paul's personal uh, biases and opinions aside, uh, that the work the work of the apostle is uh, is 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 as an emissary, an ambassador, and uh, it is infallible in the Holy Spirit, not in Paul. Um, so Paul does not get the glory. The Lord always gets the glory. Paul is a, ve a weak vessel in his own estimation, and uh, he gives God the glory for all that happens in the church. But uh, to these ambassadors, the signs and seals of the kingdom uh, accompany them. And this is why even in Jesus' commissioning of the disciples, he mentions baptism. That's the first ordinance, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the, the grand consummation of the, the fullness of God's name. Who, who is God? Who is Jehovah? Jehovah is one. Uh, but Jehovah is God the Father. Jehovah is God the Son, and Jehovah is God the Holy Spirit. He is uh, one God in three persons, and it is a mystery. But uh, the signs and seals of the kingdom have this uh, mystery, the revelation of God at baptism and also at the supper. And so, the, and so these signs and seals accompany his office emissaries, his, his ambassadors. Now, all of Christ's apostles taught and they preached the same gospel because Jesus had them all in the same school. And although Paul was tardy in getting into the class, he still went to the same school, the school of Christ. And so they all had one, one Father, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. The, the, I know it's very hard for us in the 21st century to, to imagine this, but the Christian faith does not depend on anyone's private interpretation of, of what the Word says or one thinks it says. It, it depends on the, uh, the, the judgment of the Holy Spirit who penned all these things. The, the author of all Scripture, of all revelation, Word content is the Holy Spirit. And there really is only one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. And uh, we are to remember that. We are to seek that faith that is true in all times, in all places, and confessed by all true Christians. We must never forget that that's what Paul is, is bringing, uh, the light that he's bringing. He's bringing the same light as any other apostle would have brought, having uh, observed the situation and addressing it faithfully. All of Christ's apostles were taught, and they all preached the very same gospel. There is only one gospel. 
We need to get this right. Now, the message of the apostles was infallible and inerrant in the spirit. Um, we have instances where uh, one apostle would correct another. We can talk about that when it comes up. But the signs and wonders and miracles uh, would often confirm their message and their, their uh, office, and hence their authority. The whole matter facing the Galatians is uh, going to be resolved. If there's any chance of resolving the tension and the error, the schism, uh, the warfare, the warfare that is going on in this church, the churches in Galatia, not just one, but several, it's going to say, it's going to be this. You ask the question, by whose authority? I mean, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees got it right. They asked Jesus, by what authority do you do the things that you're doing here in the temple? But who gave you this authority? Ah, see, that's the question. Because if Paul is, an, is, is truly an apostle, then his, his authority cannot be questioned without dire consequences, without blasphemy, as you now find yourself not fighting Paul, but fighting God. And this is what we do, my friends, when we wrestle with Scripture, we try to understand Scripture, but if someone um, rightly handles the Word of God and we just happen to have another opinion, you better, you best be careful to make sure that that opinion is not touching something essential uh, and the gospel, my friends, is something that is rock-solid, bedrock, essential. But anyway, these apostles would have signs and wonders and miracles. They would often confirm their message, but not always. And these were helpful. But Paul's writing a letter, and uh, he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't have Zoom. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have a go-to meeting. He can't go online. He can't go online and show them the signs and wonders, but they're going to have to connote his authority, Christ's authority, as mediated in an officer of the church. You need to understand this, or you're not going to get the resolution of the, of the conflict in Galatia. Uh, this letter here then become, became necessary for Paul to write. Now, if Paul's apostleship and authority can be established by this letter, then the Galatian churches would have at least a means to recover from their drift, from their, from their corruption, the corrupting of doctrine. Again, we're, 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 we must assume already, if you're new and you don't understand, every behavior that we have, everything that, that uh, is to be done and believed, uh, it departs from the teaching of Christ. Teaching is doctrine. That's what we mean by doctrine. It's just teaching. And um, uh, once received, uh, then at least you'd have a means to recover. That is to say that you can latch on to uh, the message by faith and by faith hold the promises of the gospel dear and come to love it and understand it and, and rejoice in it and find salvation or continue in your salvation, if that be the case. Only the true gospel saves and a, a gospel it can be sufficiently corrupted where it becomes a non-gospel. Uh, technically, and I, technically any, ad, any admixture of human boasting 
technically, in theology, any admixture of human effort or contribution that takes uh, the glory in the, minimal, in the most minimal way from the Lord being the Alpha and Omega of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith, any admixture of that human sinful element or fleshly element is a departure from the gospel. And it'll have to be the Lord who judges at the end of the day who's departed sufficiently. But the gospel needs to be bright and clear and clean. Because only the true gospel saves. All confusion and contention then with a false gospel must cease. The Lord has called the churches to peace. Of course, when you have this kind of teaching and this kind of dissension in an essential doctrine about what is the gospel, how are we saved, then that will necessarily lose the peace of the church. The, the, the church must understand its terms of peace with God and having peace with God being reconciled in union with Christ, we will have peace with one another. So then Paul does identify himself as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second sermon point. Paul denies his apostleship was through any human agency. Now this alludes again to what I just said about any human contribution to the, the, the supernatural, uh, infallible, inerrant word from God. If it is from God and through God and to God, it is the gospel. Anything touching a contribution from, from, from humans in these essential matters um, would, uh, would, would, would deny Paul a right claim of apostleship. His apostleship did not originate from man. No man had invented this gospel. See verse of watch 11. Uh, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? It cannot be the source. Man cannot be the source. No man had called him. No man had taught it to him. No man had called him. Verse 12, he's going to say, uh, I did not receive it, nor taught it. I received it through revelation. It was Jesus who called him, and no man had sent him. It was the Lord Jesus. No. The Holy Spirit has sent them, has sent him. And you can see this from uh, quoting Acts 13, verses 2 through 4. Uh, we see, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. That's Paul. Saul turns to Paul. Set, set apart for me to Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have, I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they are commissioned. They are, they are sent off. No mere human agency had taught him or prepared him for his ministry. Galatians 1 and verse 17. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. In other words, he wasn't going to go and check out uh, this vision that he had just had. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He was not schooled uh, along with the other apostles. Third sermon point. Uh, apostleship 
than was directly from God. Not from a man, but he was directly from God. But Paul was commissioned by the resurrected Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. Uh, we see that Acts chapter 9, very glorious conversion. And uh, verse 6, um, well, I'll be back up with verse 5. Saul said, uh, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. So uh, that's the commissioning, go. The word uh, here in the Greek, uh, differentiating man's call and man sending him from, from uh, God himself, uh, given him this apostleship. The Greek word is Allah, which is the strongest contrast uh, in the Greek for a conjunction, contradictory conjunction. But, capital, you know, capital B italicized and, and, uh, and bolded. It was directly then through a revelation, not through an intermediary. Uh, Christ himself, of course, is, is uh, the redeemer and intercessor. Uh, and he is the intermediary, the only intermediary and uh, mediator between God and man, but he himself is God. So he's receiving this revelation directly from Jesus, who is God. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus is, of course, central to the gospel. And uh, he mentions that right away. Uh, because uh, the, the apostles and the apostolic doctrine of the uh, of ambassadors is uh, derived from the fact that Jesus is risen, now ascended to heaven, and that revelation is from heaven. And the advantage to the missionary enterprise is obvious. As long as Jesus was in the days in the flesh, of course, that was great. The incarnation is wonderful doctrine. All of the, Jew the, the Jews of his day were greatly advantaged by that, but today the world has much greater advantage because Jesus is on high and his spirit can go everywhere and anywhere and be everywhere at one time. And uh, he's sent forth his Holy Spirit and uh, with that spirit, his word, and with his spirit, the commissioning of his office bearers, especially the apostles, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, mentioned here by Paul, is a central a facet of the gospel which must be retained without which there is no gospel. Many of the liberal churches of the 20th century dropped that article as if it was something, well, not essential, we're not sure. That, that, is, an, that, that is an utter apostasy. The, resurrection, the resurrected Lord Jesus then governs all missionary activity. And, I might add, every church is his missionary activity. Uh, his kingdom comes, and until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord, and as the waters cover the sea, we are about mission. We've got to get that in our heads. We're not home. We're at war. We're taking turf for the Lord Jesus. We're holding turf for the Lord Jesus. The, the Paul's apostolic offices was from uh, the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Lord Jesus. But then Paul's apostolic office in our text is, is also from God the Father, says in verse 1. Because God had vindicated his son and, and spoken from heaven and, and demonstrated that he was pleased with his son. 
and uh, more so by, again, uh, affirming the resurrection, raising him from the dead. Again, God uh, is present in all of his acts. Jesus, it may be said, raised himself from the dead by his own power. He had power to lay it down, and he had power to raise it up. But uh, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in every act. One of the three persons usually takes the, um, the apparent lead, or, or uh, the, 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 and there's an aspect of glory that's attributed to the work of, of uh, redemption in the economy of his administration. But anyway, uh, the apostolic office, the Zen, from God the Father. Okay, because of the way the Lord the Father had uh, had received Jesus from the dead, and so uh, Paul's commissioning as an apostle was from God the Father, God the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Now, note here, right off the bat, it's a side note. It's a side note that uh, the new covenant has the glory of revealing the fullness of God. This was not a this not apparent. Well. You can trace it out now having the knowledge of it in the New Testament. You can trace it out. It's 20-20 vision. You can see Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Trace it out a little bit. But the plainest, plainest revelation found in almost every page of writing in the New Testament is that, that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we see here uh, that since there was one commissioning of Paul and one authority from God, that the Father and the Son are co-equal. And it comes out right off, right off, right off the bat. You, you, there's no understanding this, this gospel unless Father and Son are of equal authority. Because the whole, the whole argument here is about authority. Final authority. Ultimate supreme authority. The final, uh, the final point of the sermon is, is, is that uh, Paul's apostleship then is for the benefit, uh, not just of one church, but and not just of these churches there in, in Galatia, but of all Gentile churches. As he's written it, the Holy Spirit has penned it, and God in his providence has preserved it. But uh, Paul and the, Paul's message is, is well attested. It's attested by the believing brothers that accompanied, uh, accompanied him. Verse 2, all the brothers who are with me. Uh, Christians love to be with other Christians. Now, we don't always have only Christians among us, and we work, and we have our places uh, where we work. We, we may even have some other friends. They may be very good friends, but we do cherish the company of other believers. Uh, the, 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 the Spirit draws us one to each other. If God had not declared that there'd be a church in Scripture, I think we would have found one another, just like birds find one another in flight. Hey, buddy, you're flying south? Yeah, let me join you. Quack, quack, quack. And everybody gets in line, they're all flying south. That's what the ducks do. Why? Well, because they're ducks. It's attested by other believing brothers who are Paul's companions. Um, Paul is not like Jesus. He's not there to work miracles, so he's going to need some witnesses to support his cause. Now, he does have the Holy Spirit, and by reading it, you can discern this. If you're a Christian, you can discern the voice of God in the scriptures. So as they read his letters, the elect will see it, and they will make correction. And that correction is essential. That correction is an essential means of their salvation. Uh, yes, they were justified, and they were believed, and yes, they're, they're elect. 
but the elect will persevere and they will be persevering through the means of grace. And they will come to understanding, a good understanding of the word of God through the ordinary means that God provides. And that includes attending the instruction in the church. So two or three witnesses will suffice for Paul here. Note that, of course, the true faith is not parochial, it's, it's universal. And the true faith is confessed and communicated in fellowship with others. Paul was not Galatian. But the, the faith that would serve Paul will serve the Galatians. Paul's other companions were not necessarily from Tarsus. Nevertheless, their faith uh, must be the universal faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And the witness there is for the Galatians to note. Now, this, this letter then is to be received by all the churches in Galatia. Note that churches is plural. They would be sharing uh, this letter. It is a, a region in, in Galatia uh, that is addressed. And the churches included would be, for instance, the churches in Antioch, the churches in Lystra, the churches in Derbe, and Iconium in Asia Minor. Now the letter and its teaching then must be received by all of the believers in Galatia, not because they like Paul. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't a very imposing figure in, in person. You know, his letters are weighty. I don't know, but it seems like Paul didn't, he wasn't the best, he wasn't the best speaker, he wasn't the most eloquent, uh, he probably wasn't of great stature or strength. Nevertheless, the Spirit chose Paul as his vessel to communicate uh, the gospel, and uh, he is an apostle. So they have, uh, as such, they have a duty to receive the apostle, even as we learned uh, from our law and gospel reading, if you received one that is rightly sent by God, you receive Christ. If you repudiate, shun, if you dismiss, if you ignore one sent by Christ, you ignore Christ. So this is a duty. Again, the Spirit attending, the Spirit will lead those who are to Christ to, uh, to hear the voice of Christ in the voice and message of Paul. And uh, it must be received by all the believers in Galatia upon the authority of the Lord of the church. And that's how church works. There's only one head in the church, and that's Christ. It's not the Pope. The Pope is, in, is in, in no sense the head of, of Christ's church. In, in no sense whatsoever. And neither is any pastor the head of a church. And this is not my church, and this is not anybody else. It's not the elders' church. It's not... It, it's not, any, it's not the members' church, it's Christ's church uh, supremely. And we are here uh, as living stones in union with Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we are a house unto him, but the Lord uh, is, is in charge. Let me conclude and summarize the teaching. Paul is an apostle, called and sent. That's what, it, that's, that's what we have here in our, our missionary effort. Call, calling and sending. Paul is an apostle called and sent by God immediately to minister to the Gentiles. This truth is witnessed by other believers who are Paul's companions. Now what Paul knows and that we need to understand is that not only a church, but churches in a whole region, a whole region 
can be deceived by a false gospel, and they can fall away from Christ. A false gospel uh, will not honor God and will not save. Why does it not save? Because we have departed not from the uh, not from the right theology, but because we have we have departed from Christ. And uh, the, uh, a weakened church, one that is partially apostate, must be brought back to the truth. Paul knew that. And so he wrote, and he writes very vigorously, as we'll find out. Do you know this? Does your theology uh, allow for uh, a watchfulness to, to make sure by the leaders and by, by the hearers that the gospel is being kept pure? And here's a directive. My friend, if you're listening to this, I, I, am, I am now asking you to consider the implication. The implication here is that you must know the gospel. You must know the gospel. You must believe the gospel. You must remain watchful at your post. Okay? If someone were to stop you on the street and ask you, Tell me the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you prepared to give an answer for one who asks you, what is your hope? If you don't know, then you do not have a sound, firm hope. You must know the gospel. Uh, and my friends, uh, this is not as trivial a matter as one might think. You know, especially, especially, my friend, when we see the Bible has a great number of things to say about law and grace, has a great number of things to say about gospel um, and uh, versus law. It has a great many uh, things to say about Adam and his death and Christ as the second Adam. Uh, we can get tripped up and uh, begin to confuse and, and to amalgamate the two and come up with something far less than gospel. Are you faithful and to correct a brother who thinks that they have a gospel? You might ask some of your Christian friends, tell me what the gospel is. And you do them a very fine service, my friends, if you would give them some track that has the pure gospel because they might be they, they might just need that correction they might, they might need to be brought back from a very dangerous straying and drift not only just an individual but a whole churches it can, it can go off and lose Christ and my friends uh, if you're faithful in the small things you'll be faithful in the larger things uh, winning over an errant brother's is, is, is quite a thing. So be faithful in the small things. Make sure you understand the Lord's teaching. There are no small uh, matters. All build your character. All come into play so that in your increasing discernment of truth, in your increasing faithfulness, you will be more and more useful in the church and in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It, you're not called, my friends, I, I don't think that anybody is called 
to be useful in Christ's kingdom without showing some kind of usefulness in the past. Even Saul of Tarsus uh, pressed on as he understood it in the scriptures. Uh, and he was uh, acclaimed as, as a Pharisee and all that. Uh, to his understanding, that was the best. And the Lord giving him the gospel light, it all fell into place. But be, be faithful in what has been given you. And that's what Paul is, being, is doing here. As an apostle, he's correcting, not an individual, not one church, but many churches. Now, do you believe the writings of Paul and the other scriptures? Do you believe this? Somebody asked her, why do you believe this? The answer in this passage is authority. God is, God is, and he is not silent. And God has spoken, and he's spoken well. And his sheep hear his voice, and uh, they recognize their shepherd, they recognize their savior. And that is a holy mystery. And you can leave them, you can leave them with that. We believe the scriptures because they're attested in the Holy Spirit to be the very word of God, along with the writings of Paul and others. It's the authority. There's power. And we know it. How do you perceive the Lord Jesus' authority in the church? Do you see it only in the word of God? If somebody came in here and began convincing us of great portions of the, uh, of the Old Testament that were ceremonial or merely civil, would that rattle you? Would that shake you up? You, where is the authority then? Where are the stewards and officers that bear the authority? Not the persons. The persons do not bear the authority. It's the office. But persons do, uh, are placed in the offices, and that by God's providence. Now, you, you go to the Word and you, you pray to the Lord as you read your Word. But know that God has sent His, called His servants and sent His servants to be your helpers. You cannot, you will not make much progress at all in your faith unless you acknowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, is giving you servants whom he has called and whom he has sent to help you. And that's what Paul is doing as an apostle, not as their pastor, but an apostle. And keep in mind that church office today does hold the signs and the seals of our great king. And so office must be respected. Inasmuch as the word of God is in it, and they are, they are preaching, they are teaching the word of God, it is, it is just that. The, pre the right preaching of the word of God is God speaking to you. And that's an official, that's an official exchange there. My friends, uh, the love that Christ has for his church is that he will not let them go. He, he the Lord is likened unto a, uh, a mother hen that has concern for her chicks and they take protection under his wings. The churches in Galatia were being attacked by the enemies of Christ. And the chicks were in peril. But Christ has come in the form of his ambassador 
to embrace his people and to shield his people and to, and to, and to protect them and to defend them. Now, he's not physically with us, but he is spiritually with us. But the government of his church abides. And we would do well to recognize authority, both in the epistle, because Paul is an apostle, and in, any, in anyone who rightly, rightly yields or wields the word of God, but especially an office bearer. Let us uh, give God glory and thanks. He does not let us wander off. He will send us the correction that we need. And with that, he will give us grace to turn from temptation and uh, regain, regain our walk with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you then for grace, all grace, all your work. We thank you that, Lord, you, as head of the church, rule absolutely. But then uh, in providence, Lord, you do use means and you use your intermediate offices, apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastor, teachers. We thank you, Lord, that your love is as strong as death. You just will not let us go. We are saved by your mighty power, and the elect are sure to triumph your own possession, for we are yours by your purchase. Be exalted in our midst, Lord. Help us to recognize you in the church and praise you for it. We thank you in Christ. Amen. Let's have an offering, please.